Mark chapter 4. Are you ready for more? Uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. We'll review just a little bit. The same day when uh, even was come, Jesus said to him, let us pass over to the other side. When the Lord tells you to do something, when he said it, when you heard it, the power was there for you to do it. His commands are enablings. So there was power there to get them through whatever might oppose them once he'd told them to do it. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow with the boat pitching and rocking and full of water, and he's snoozing. Was Jesus afraid of the storm? I want you to think about it now. Put yourself in his place. Identify with him in the back of the boat. He's asleep in the middle of a storm. Is he afraid of drowning? Is he afraid of sinking? He's not at all. Can you identify with it? Somebody said out loud, not afraid? Not afraid. At all. all. Now this is a real storm. These guys work on this body of water. They've seen storms before, and this has got them shaken up. But not Jesus. Not afraid. And they come to him and they say, Master, don't you care that we're perishing out here? Don't you care? You're going to sleep through this? You're going to let us all drown? Verse 39. He arose. He got up and rebuked the wind. That's not prayer. And he said to the sea, peace be still. That's not prayer either. This wasn't a time to pray. Now wonder how many Christians in the midst of a storm on the sea would be praying right now. Oh, God. (laughs) Someone say, what's wrong with that? Well, I reckon if that's what you should have done, Jesus would have been doing it. How many think you should follow Jesus' example, not what religion recommends? There's a time to pray. And this is not it. You see, a lot of times something will come up. There's a big problem. And folks will go into a panic and start praying desperate prayers. And the truth is, it's not time to do that. I'm getting funny looks across the crowd. There's a time to pray and there's a time to say. You don't need to be saying when you're supposed to be praying. And you don't need to be praying when you're supposed to be saying. This was not a time to pray. Especially a scared, unbelieving prayer. He rebuked the wind. He said to the sea, peace be still. This is, he's not praying to the Father. He's speaking to the wind. He's speaking to the waves. And there was a great calm. Verse 40. He said to them, why are you so fearful? Now, I think sometimes when we read these questions, we've seen them and heard them so much that they don't register on us that they are questions. 
And when the Lord asks you a question, he expects an answer. And it's again and again, it's not so he can find out the answer. It's so you can get the answer. But we're not supposed to just ignore it. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Full of fear and no faith. Verse 41. Since he has charged them and questioned them about being afraid. Their response was to fear exceedingly. Now. (laughs) Did that please the Lord? No, without faith. It's impossible to please him. So the correct response would have been to answer the Lord and say, I'm sorry, Lord. Yes, we know better than this. Uh, Yes, obviously, we should have spoken to this ourselves. Yes, we shouldn't be questioning your love. And I resist and rebuke fear right now. And I'm not going to yield to it anymore. But instead of doing that... (laughs) They kicked fear up into another gear. And they weren't just afraid. They feared exceedingly. And they said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? They're still focused on him. And not listening to what he's telling them. Did you know that you can be given the answer with a strong anointing? And that does not mean you will hear it or get it or do it. Do you believe when Jesus said to them, why are you so full of fear? Uh, Why is it you have no faith? Is there light in what he said to them? Is there revelation? Is there direction? And yet, do you believe he said it with an anointing? Certainly he did. But they didn't stop fearing. They feared more. And so just because we hear the Lord telling us, fear not, doesn't mean everybody's going to quit fearing. In fact, I've seen it over and over and over again, that people hear the right word and just keep on doing the wrong thing. They hear the right, they hear the answer and just keep on doing the wrong thing. Now, it's not just knowledge. It's not just reasoning. We saw this in 2 Corinthians 4.13. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak. Everybody say, spirit of faith. Then if you go to 2 Timothy 1.7, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us what? The spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So he refers to the spirit of faith and the spirit of fear. You don't get the spirit of faith just by cataloging a lot of scriptures and information on faith. It's not just about knowing the principles. Faith is not just a belief system. The spirit of faith. And when it comes to fear, it's not rational. It's not reasonable. No matter how intelligent you may think you are, fear will turn you into the stupidest person. Is that right? 
you will say and do things if you yield to fear that are just bizarre. And later on, you'll look back and go, what was I doing? I didn't even know what I was doing. What was I saying? That's crazy. Why'd you say it? Well, let's back up a little bit. When we talk about faith, the scripture refers to no faith. It refers to little faith. And it refers to great faith. So obviously there are different measures and degrees and development. Did you know the same thing is true about fear? It just got through saying they feared exceedingly after what he said to them. That's the word megas. So obviously the fear was greater than it was just moments before. So there can be uh, a little bit of fear and a lot of fear and full-blown panic terror and everything in between. And one thing I want us to look at and begin to recognize tonight is identifying fear. Because there's a whole lot of even word and faith people that can quote you good scriptures against fearing and tell you how many times God said fear not and preach you a message on it. And yet still their life is just riddled with fear. If you know what to look for, you hear it in their tone, you see it in their eyes, you see it in their response. So many things that people do, they do out of fear. And if you're led by fear, you're going to be led into death and destruction. Never make a decision based on fear. Never follow fear. It will lead you to a bad place. Do you believe it, saints? You know, there are people who who won't let their children have any social interaction with other children or in any kind of a public venue. They claim that it's just because the Lord led them. Well, if he led you to do something, that's okay. But if you're doing it because of fear, they can get more and more trouble with you trying to hover over them than being somewhere else. People won't go places and they won't do things and they won't get involved. Sometimes they claim the Lord led them, but the truth is, it's fear. The Lord will meet you where your faith is. Do you know that? And uh, I've seen cases where people, you know, were afraid to have a procedure, some kind of a surgery, some kind of a procedure. And, you know, they say, well, the Lord told me not to. And as you begin to question them, they're just scared of having the surgery. That's not faith. You can be scared of having it. You can be scared of not having it. <laughs> a brother of mine, a good minister, good, good man of God, was laboring over a little small procedure. And uh, he said, well, I don't want to displease the Lord. I don't want to, uh, you know, I, I, want, I, want, I want faith. I said, okay. But I, I just knew listening to him, I'm here in fear, 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 fear. I do not hear confidence that everything's going to be okay if we don't do this. He said, well, I don't want to use means talking about doctors and procedures. And I, I, it kept bothering me. And days went by and weeks went by. And I just knew in my heart, he's not in faith about this. But he's trying to stand. He's calling it faith, but there's fear in him. And so the Lord showed me something. I went and sat down with him. I said, brother, I said, uh, you don't want to use means. He said, no. 
I said, uh, have you ever had a splinter in your hand? He said, yeah. I said, did you ever get it out? He said, yeah. I said, how? He said, well, I, I took some tweezers and I took a needle. I said, sounds like surgical instruments to me. <laughs> I said, you had a procedure. <laughs> Why didn't you just believe God for the splinter to evaporate? You know, what some folks have called faith is just not faith. They know the right way to talk, but if you learn to listen, you'll hear fear in their voice. And I don't care what kind of good confessions you make, if that fear is in you, he said, where's your faith? You're full of fear. The fear is in the place of the faith. I know I, uh, it was a cold day there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was working at Kenneth Hagin Ministries at the healing school. And I came out in my little car, and it was, I don't know, it had gotten real cold. I went to start the, uh, actually it was a uh, 74 Corvette that was kind of a piece of junk that we were rebuilding. <laughs> There's a story there. I mean, it had been vandalized. It had pieces missing out of the body, wires hanging out in the front. It wasn't safe to drive. But I always wanted a Corvette. And this was as close as I could get to one, you know. <laughs> and did you know, uh, sitting out there on the parking lot, a fella came to the office one day and I asked the Lord, Phyllis and I believed God for whatever it took to fix this car up, make it nice. It was our project. And so uh, a fella came in and he said, who owns that car out there? And the secretary told him, he said, can I speak to him? They called me to the front and he said, is that your car? I thought, uh-oh, we've leaked oil on somebody's <laughs> driveway or some transmission fluid on somebody's, you know. And I said, yeah. He said, the Lord spoke to me. When I saw your car out there, we never met before. He said, I have been a Corvette restoration expert for 30 something years. Wow. <laughs> and he said, uh, if you'll buy some paint, I'll make it into a show car for you. Wow. And he did. Oh, man. I mean, he put a spoiler on the back, pearl white, metal flake blue insets. Man. I was starting. Where was I before I got to talking about it? <laughs> the battery was dead. <laughs> I went out there and I turned the key. Yon, yon, yon. So I got out and uh, I called security. They had some jump start cables, told him what the case was. I'm standing out there. Well, this is Rama Bible Training Center. Mm -hmm. And, you know, faith school. <laughs> and I'm. At this time, I'm also teaching in the school. And so I'm standing out there, and it's cold. A couple of Raymond students came by, and they said, what's wrong? I said, well, I think the battery is dead. And we just stood there, and the wind's blowing. And uh, they, they said, uh, you have faith, don't you? <laughs> I said, yes, I believe I do. They said, why don't you just speak to it? <laughs> now this is a good question the Lord said this to me some years back he said if you'll be more selective you'll be more effective when you say things and don't really believe them and they don't come to pass it hurts your faith 
When you pray things and it doesn't happen, it hurts your faith. And you do that time after time after time, you'll get where you don't have expected to come to pass. Be more selective about what you pray, about what you say, and you'll be more effective, the Lord told me. I told him, I said, well, guys, I, frankly, I don't have it in my heart. Go to Romans 10, 17. Can we talk about faith here at the Greater Faith Conference at the Faith Life Church? We do. How many like faith in here, man? I Change your life. Faith comes by what? By wanting something to happen. Faith comes by needing something to happen. Faith comes by intense desire. No. I don't care how much you need something, that doesn't mean you can have faith for it. Or how much you want something. Faith doesn't come by desire or need. How does it come? It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you look up those words, some translations say the word of the Christ. That means anointed. So it's not, he's not talking about a dead letter. He's talking about an anointed quickening word. And with that anointing quickening word comes faith. And when you hear it, there it is. You can believe it. You can do it. But just rattling something off the top of your head. How many times we've seen it. Whether ourselves or other people. It was just empty talk. There was no power in it. The flesh profits nothing. But spirit words. Change things. I told them. I said boys. I said. Now, let me just stop here. First of all, it's disrespectful of them to ask such a question of their instructor. Did you know that? Even if I was coming up short that day, it's not for them to call me on it. How many think we need a good dose of honor and respect in our generation in these days? That was a disrespectful question. But I think they were so young, they just didn't even know anybody. They didn't see anybody. So I didn't correct them, didn't get into it. I just said, well, fellas, I said, uh, I don't have it in my heart. I said, you see, the security guy was coming around the corner. I said, he's about to jumpstart me. This battery is about seven years old, probably. I said, I have faith to get a new battery. <laughs> That's where my faith is. And I said, now? I said, if I was up somewhere in northern Alaska in the wintertime and my family's in the car, if I'm there by myself and there's nobody around, you better believe I'd reach down to believe God to speak to this thing, right? And I believe the Lord would quicken me and help me and it'd be in my heart and it would do it. It'd start. If he had to charge that battery in two seconds, it'd happen. All things are possible to him that believe. Not him that just rattles on talks, yells about stuff, more selective, more effective. Can you say amen? Amen. Go with me to uh, Hebrews. You know, faith has been mocked by many. It's been called a 
passing fad, a movement, this and that and the other. And I, every one of us in here have made some mistakes and did some things we called faith that had nothing to do with faith, right? And so didn't work, didn't get results. But you know, the Lord looks at your heart, right? And um, I know when we started the church in uh, Branson, and a similar thing just happened here with the Florida church. We traveled for 20-some years and thoroughly enjoyed traveling ministry and had never thought about pastoring. We still travel ministry. And uh, as we got into seeing the Lord had dealt with us to get a property there in Branson, a big property, and we didn't have, we didn't have any money. When I say we didn't have any money, I mean we had $100,000, and then we sold a, a hanger and had a little money, and we're going to get a multi-million dollar structure and get it ready for services. And then the folks that asked us, uh, asked Phyllis when we were looking at it, said, well, how large is your congregation? We said, well, right now, her and me. And people think you're nuts. They look at you like, well, why don't you go over and start somewhere that you can afford? And, and you know, even some folks were concerned about it. And they go, Brother Keith, you know, you got a good ministry. You got plenty of places to speak. What do you want to take on all that for? I mean, you know, you could get in trouble with this. <laughs> These big properties have big bills and they go on every month. And, and after hearing that a couple of times, I just quit answering my phone. I, mean, I didn't hear that anymore. And I spent a couple of nights with the calculator and it just ain't working. It's not where well, I put it in the drawer and shut it. And I cannot see how I can do anything to make this. It's just too big. It's too much. And somebody had asked me again. But I said, listen, I'm a man. I could miss it. I could miss God. But I tell you what. I would rather fall flat on my face and hit it hard endeavoring to believe God and obey God than to be too scared to move and step out and hide and play it safe somewhere. Come on. Do you believe that God is pleased with faith? It honors Him. And even though we've made some mistakes, He's looking at our heart the whole time. And I'm telling you what, we're about to, I believe we're about to learn some significant things about faith that'll take us to another level. To another place in our faith walk. And our faith operations. Don't you be ashamed of faith. Don't you be ashamed of the word. Of the message. Living by faith. Making confessions. Walking by faith. Just get stirred up in it all the more. Stronger than ever. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hebrews 11. Hall of fame of faith chapter. By faith, by faith, by faith. Remember, there's a spirit of faith and there's also a spirit of fear. In Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it's difficult. <laughs> uh-uh. It's impossible. Now, you don't hear that word very often in connection with God. But it's impossible to please him without faith. For he that comes to God must. Faith is not optional. It's not optional in the Christian walk. Must. You've got to believe 
these two things to get started. You won't even get started unless you believe these two things. You must believe that he is. He exists. He's real. He's the almighty. He's the creator of the heavens and earth. He knows everything. He's everywhere. He can do anything. How many believe he is? And a lot of Christians stop there. But what else must you believe to walk with him? You must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now this describes the spirit of faith. It is the opposite of the spirit of fear. This references back to Genesis 15 and 1. Just put it up on the screen for us. Genesis 15, 1, when the God of faith revealed himself to his man of faith, Abraham, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, and he said, what? what's the first thing he said? What's the first thing he has said over and over and over again to people? This is not God's standard greeting. He says it because if you don't get this right, you won't even get the rest of it. Fear will keep you from seeing the rest of what he's about to say. Fear not, Abram. I am. I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. The Lord expected him to believe this, to embrace this. And believe that because God was his shield, he had no need to fear. I am protected. Somebody say, I am protected. I I got a shield. Round about me. The Lord is my shield. How can we tell if you believe that? You won't be afraid. And what else must you believe? I am your exceeding great reward. How would you know if you believe that? How would you know if you believe that? Because you would be looking for it. You would be expecting it. And expecting exceeding great reward would give you joy and would give you peace. In identifying Fear and identifying faith, these two words are significant. Faith and hope, fear and dread. Say it out loud. Faith and hope, fear and dread. We can tell whether you're yielding to the spirit of faith Or the spirit of fear by what you're expecting. In Job. You remember this Job chapter 3. You don't have to turn there. But Job 3.25. I'm going to read the Young's literal translation. King James says I feared a fear and it came upon me. Young's literal I feared a fear and it meets me. When you start fearing something, you start expecting it. 
And that expectation is a force that draws you to intersect with it at some point in the future. Fear gives it an entry point into your path. Faith gives God's blessings an entry point, access point into your path. Whew. I think I like that better than you did just then. <laughs> you know, the cook's been, especially on a big meal, has been cooking all day. I've been tasting this for several days now. Phyllis and I, she made reference to our 1969 Marriott mobile home. It was not a nice one. There are some nice modular homes now, very nice. Ours was not one of them. <laughs> it was worn out a couple of times before we got it. Well, let me tell you the purchase price. $3,500. That's our house. The oven didn't work. Air conditioner didn't work. Heater didn't work. First winter, the water froze solid in our toilets. So it was a, a, a meager beginning. But we got a hold of the word, like she was saying. We got it through Brother Kenneth and Miss Gloria's ministry. Learned we'd been redeemed from the curse of the law. Whoo, hadn't got over that yet. We started believing, we started sowing, the Lord directed our path to go to Ramah, Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry, and we were there for uh, 10 years, and then 15 years. We believed God to get an apartment that wasn't in the bad part of town. That was our first step of faith. Then we believed God to get a better apartment then that wasn't on the top floor that you had to haul everything up and down. <laughs> And we believe God to have our own washer and dryer someday. And uh, we got a little rent house. It was older, but it had a garage. And you had your own washer and dryer. We were moving up, buddy. And I'm talking about years have passed. Five years have passed. Ten years have passed. And finally, we got a nice house. I mean, it wasn't a big mansion, but it was a nice house. And then we set our faith on a substantial house executive type house, you know, and, and place. And uh, I won't go into all the details, but we had been believing for this for several years and looking and looking and that wasn't the one, that wasn't the one, and just keeping our faith on it, just continuing to expect. And we came by this place, there was no sign, there was nothing. And man, it caught our eye, it caught our heart. We stopped, we pulled in, and there was no for sale sign, there was nobody there. And the Lord dealt with us, find out about this place. Didn't even know if it was for sale. Anyway, uh, we found out about it, and the Lord dealt with us, make them this offer. Man, it was low. It was so low. And so we did. And they came back within $10,000 of that crazy low price. And we, glory to God, we got it. We moved in there, and we are on the road for several months, and there was no furniture, but it was ours. <laughs> This place, guys, when you came around the block, you start seeing the house. When you go around the curve, you're still seeing the house. <laughs> Tennis court, huge swimming pool, six-car garage, marble floors. Nice place, nice place. And when we closed, the Lord drew my attention to something. He, just inside me, he said, notice 
when this was built. Because so much of it was exactly like what Phyllis and I had always wanted. I mean, so, so much of it. And, I mean, if we'd have took the money and time to try to do it, I don't know that we'd have come out a whole lot different. And the price was amazing. And uh, it was the same time, the Lord brought this. He said, when you and she made the commitment to obey me in ministry and leave your home and family and go to Ramah, this was set in motion. And it was built. At that same, he said, I've had you on an intersect course with this for these years. Now, that had been, what, 15 or 20 years now. But what gave the right, spiritual right, for the, us to intercept that? Faith in God gives him the access point, gives him the entry point. Well, on the other hand, fear provides an entry point. And this is why sometimes people don't see it so clearly. Just because you're afraid of something doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. But if you keep fearing it and you keep talking it and you keep dreading it, it may be five years, ten years, twenty-five years, but you're going to intercept it one day. Your fears will come upon you. You'll meet them. Like the Young's Literal said, I fear to fear and it meets me. The New Living Translation says, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. What I dreaded has come true. Fears must not be tolerated. So many times you wouldn't know it by looking at people. But fears are working in the background. They smile, they look like everything's okay, but there's a fear in the back there. It was planted years ago. Have you ever heard somebody, when something happened, they said, I always dreaded this. I was afraid this would happen. Not realizing that it was spiritual forces that brought these things to bear, sometimes over a period of decades. And the only way to be protected is to get that fear out of you now. Not cover it up, not hide it, get it out of you. And friends, listen to this. Parents, listen, listen. The only way, the only way, not to transfer your fears to your kids, is to get them out of you. That is the only way. You may think you are hiding it so well, and you'll look up one day, and it'll be in them. Because it's spiritual. It's not just mental. They don't even have to hear it. They don't have to hear about it. It will get off on them because they're living with a fear that's hanging with you. And you got to watch. I know you want to take care of your kids, but you don't respond in fear. If they do something stupid, you don't jump up and go, what's wrong with you? Don't you know you'll get killed out here? What's wrong with you? That's fear. And when they're startled and they look at you, what are they doing? They're looking at you, yielding to fear. You are teaching them how to yield to fear by precept and example. And they'll practice it, and they'll grow up and act like you. When something happens, they'll go spastic and crazy. And, and even if it doesn't happen, you start getting scared, and you start saying it and talking about it. Recent times, I heard of a very famous individual 
that uh, died in what some would call a freakish way. And people were astounded by it because the guy was young. And then it took a couple of years later or so, I heard his wife say that he told her he would never live past a certain age. He never thought he would. And he was within a year or so of that age. People think that these things don't mean anything. And if it's just idle words, it may, you know, you'll have to be responsible for them. But the problem is when you start dreading something and you keep dreading it year after year, that gives an access point into your life down the road. How about you? I don't want the devil having any access, none, to me, my mind, my body, my family, my finances. So we've got to get rid of every degree of fear. Faith people, word people have learned how to hide talking about fear. Well, I'm just, I'm concerned. (laughs) Well, I'm upset, distressed, stressed. And, uh, well, you know, I dread that. I just, I dread that. What does that mean? That is a lesser degree of the same full-blown panic stuff. You get enough of it, and you're just crazed over it. But when it's smaller, you feel like you can handle it. I can control my fears. We're not supposed to control them. We're not supposed to have them. We're supposed to be free from it. Full of something else. The spirit of faith. Hallelujah. What do we do with fear? I'm going to give you two big words. You ready? What do we do with fear? Number one, we resist it. Everybody say resist it. Resist. Uh, God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and assignment. If God didn't give it to us, where is it coming from? If it's not coming from God, what the Bible say about the devil? Resist the devil. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Anytime you have feelings of fear, just like symptoms of a physical problem, feelings Alarming thoughts. Don't just sit there and go, what am I going to do? Or try to wage a silent mental battle. Resist that stuff. Speak right up and say, fear, I resist you. Get out of here. I refuse to fear. Somebody said out loud, I refuse to fear. Said out loud, I refuse to fear. Now here's the thing you got to learn. You can say that with all the symptoms of a panic attack. I was down in Central America some years ago and came across a lady minister who was in the last stages of stomach cancer. And the doctors had expected her to be gone sometime before now. And she was emaciated in the bed, completely weak. And she sent word, would I come by, pray for her? I said, certainly. So we came by. She's a minister. She's a faith preacher. Healing preacher too. And I couldn't hear her. I had to lean down. I sat down beside the bed and leaned all the way down and put my ear because I couldn't hear. And she said, I'm just so weak. Brother Keith. I can't 
Well, cancer of the stomach. At death's door. She's emaciated. Just skin and bones. Now. I know sometimes we don't, we don't like to see it. And people say, well, no, there's no time to correct my confession. And yet, if I really believe that everything I eat comes back up. And that I'm so weak, I can't do anything. I'm in trouble. I said, sister, I, I can see that. I'm sorry. You're having to deal with this. I mean... I've never dealt with anything like this. I've never overcome anything like this. I'm not going to suppose and say what I do. I'd like to believe what I do. But unless you've been there and done that, don't boast. Don't talk. I said, but I know this. God is real. He's good. He's right here. I said, would you say this with me? I am strong in the Lord. <laughs> and in the power of his might. She said, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I said, that's it. That's it. Let's say it again. Let's say it again. I sat there for 40 minutes, I guess. Let's say it again. The Lord's my witness. 45 minutes. She's sitting up in the bed. Sitting up in the bed, saying it loud enough, you could hear her outside the house, the little house. She looked at me and she said, I feel it all inside. I said, I know you do. How many understand cancer is nothing in front of the power of God? Nothing. Nothing. I don't care how close to dead you are. That's nothing to God. Nothing. Nothing. She's looking at me. She said, I want to get up. I said, come on, get up. She stood up. I said, let's say it some more. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm strong. I'm, didn't the Bible say, call those things that be not as though they were. Let the weak say, I'm strong. And so she's looking. I mean, this is miraculous, obviously. I said, now, sister, this is not all. This is not the end. I took her hands and I said, now, sister, say this after me. I have a voracious appetite. <laughs> she said, but I said, no buts. She said, okay. I said, and when I eat, it stays down. Now, I didn't just say that off the top of my head. While I'm in there with her, the Spirit of God quickened those very phrases. Yes. We're talking about faith comes by hearing, hearing by the anointed. Yeah. Quickened word. And so, I said, now listen, listen. Here's where it's going to make the difference. I said, if you eat and it hits the bottom of your stomach and it comes right back out of your mouth and you feel so sick you think you're going to die. When you get through throwing up, you say, oh, Brother Keith, don't say that. No, this is what faith is about. If you think you're never going to have anything that contradicts your faith, you're living in a dream world. <laughs> and anybody can say it when it looks like it and feels like it. 
I said, when you have puked your insides out and you feel like you're so sick, you can't stand up. I said, this is what you do. Now, this is critical. I said, you wipe your mouth off. And you say, I said. I said. When I eat, it stays down. She said, I got it. I got it. She's a minister. She knows these things already. She just needed a little reminder. And uh, I was in the States uh, four or five months later. Somebody caught me at a meeting. They said, did you hear about sister so-and-so? I said, what? They said, man, she's strong. She's gained 30 pounds. Glory to God. They said, man, she's got a voracious appetite. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She probably want to back off that confession now. But she needed it to get to where she was. (laughs) Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you Lord. What do you do with fear? You resist it. Now the second thing. And we want to get into all this tonight. But the second thing you do. Is you replace it. You replace it. Say it out loud. Resist it. Replace it. That's it. You do that and you're done with fear. Can it be that easy? It is that easy. (laughs) But it's going to take persistence. And you're going to have to mean it. And it's going to have to be a lifestyle, not just something you try out once in a while. Say it out loud. Resist it. And replace it. Go with me in the Old Testament, please. In Isaiah. While you're turning there, put up for us 2 Corinthians 7. You're going to Isaiah 7. We read this last night, 2 Corinthians 7. It said, verse 5, When we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforts those that are cast down comforted us. By the coming of Titus. Verse 5. Your flesh can't rest. With fears within. Can you see this? Our flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were fears. I uh, didn't see this quite quick enough in the early days of our ministry we were doing a lot of speaking and a lot of going and um, I'd come in and I'm tired but I figured well that's reasonable you know after all the stuff we've done and so I'd try to get extra rest and eat plenty of good food and sometimes even extra sleep and I'm still tired and so we'd go back after it again and go back after it again and And you're just tired. And finally, I was praying about it. This is after years. And the Lord said to me, he said, Keith, you're not just tired on the outside. It's on the inside. Well, before then, I thought, well, can you even be tired on the inside? And he reminded me, the outward man, though it's aging and growing older, the inward man is what? Well, if it could never be depleted, it would never need to be renewed. 
Your spirit is not the inexhaustible Holy Spirit. (laughs) You got him to help you. But your spirit, your spirit is not inexhaustible. And we see here a great truth. If you're not able to rest on the inside, you won't be able to rest on the outside. If you're not resting inside, and fear will keep you from resting inside. And if you're not resting inside, I don't care how much sleep you've got and how much you try to get rested on the outside, not going to happen. Because the life of the flesh comes from the spirit. And what's happening in the body is reflecting what's happening in the spirit. It reflects it because they're connected. They're joined. If you can rest on the inside. Oh, we already know this. This is not some strange, strange thing. When you can get rid of a fear on the inside, everything relaxes. Your brain, your neck muscles, your intestines. Come on, are you listening? (laughs) And I like one thing the disciples said when they heard about Lazarus. They said, Lord, if he's able to sleep, he's sure to get better. (laughs) If he's able to rest, he's sure to get better. I know we more than once, Phyllis worked in an office with doctors and, and they hired people and assistants and a lot of these folks that she hired were not Christians. And uh, boy, when, you know, when you're not trying to live for God, you got problems. I mean, they, and, and some of them would come in and they were so messed up. And, and once in a while, she'd bring some of them home. And she brought this uh, woman home one time. And man, she, you could tell. I don't know when it had been since she had slept. And she, her life was such a terrible mess. And I told Phyllis, I said, uh, I put her on the couch there. And I just sat down at the piano. And I started playing and singing and worshiping God, the peace of God. And she was dozing off. I said, put her in there in that room there where I pray. And so she did. And we didn't see her for three days. And when she come out of there, I'm telling you, she looked like a different woman. Why? Because finally, who knows, after months and years of her insides being tied up in knots, she relaxed and rested on the inside and she was not afraid there and the peace of God and so her body relaxed. How many believe that just your body relaxing and resting could solve a number of problems? So many. How many think Christians ought not be tied up in knots because of fear? That's acting like the unsaved. We ought to be walking in the peace that passes understanding. Not to say we won't ever be tempted to be afraid or we won't be challenged. You will. But when you do, what do you do? You resist it and you replace it with faith. The spirit of faith. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Hallelujah. I'm going to quote these two verses to you and then we're going to read this. 
You're familiar with Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the anointed word. How many remember John 8, 32? What does John 8, 32 say? You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. These two verses go together. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? How many know when the Lord says something to you, it's going to be truth. It's going to be anointed truth. What will that anointed truth do for you? It will give you faith, and that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. It will set you free. Now keep that in mind as you read this passage, Isaiah 7. Isaiah 7 and verse 2. It was told the house of David saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. That's bad news. <laughs> That's very bad news. One of these enemies was tough enough. Together, in the natural, it's over. And his heart was moved. And the heart of his people as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. Over what? Over this evil report. This bad report. And when they heard it, it moved them. Didn't just move them outside, it moved them inside. Their hearts and all the people that heard it were moved. And we talked about this last night. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. So if your heart gets moved like the wind blowing the trees, who let it be moved? You did. Means you yielded to it. Faith comes by hearing. Fear comes by hearing and seeing. Keep reading. Verse 3. The Lord said to Isaiah, go forth now and meet Ahaz. Verse 4, say to him, take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint hearted. Now let's just stop right here. <laughs> when God says something, what's going on with it? With these words is the power to affect them in your life, isn't it? Faith comes by hearing. These words are anointed. Be quiet. Calm down. Fear not. Don't be faint hearted for these two tails of smoking firebrands. <laughs> Here's something to talk about right here. You'll never hear God look at your enemy and go, Oh, he's bad. He's a, he's a bad, bad one. Yeah, man. Whew. Faith never brags on its opponent. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You know what that is? That's a no covenant nobody. Who is he? Everybody else is saying, look at this 10 foot, 11 foot, whatever he is, 600 pound man killing machine. Can't talk about how bad the cancer is. You can't talk about how incurable the age. Come on, are you listening? You cannot do it and get a victory. 
Yeah, but it's neurological. Yeah, but it's in the brain. Yeah, but it's in the last stage. It's this and it's that and it's already... You are saying he is a 10 foot, 600 pound killer. And that means you got more fear than you do faith. You can tell it by the way you're talking about it. And it shows what you're expecting. You're expecting it to take you out. And your fears will come on you. It's giving it an access point in your future. You got to get sassy. If a freckle faced boy can stand out there with a slingshot and say, Come on over here. Come on. I'm going to take your head off of you and then I'm going to get your buddies too. You uncircumcised Philistine. You nobody. No covenant. Nothing. You got to talk to the disease that way. You got to talk to the builds that way. Come on. You got to talk to them that way. You got to say you are nothing in front of God. You are nothing. You're nothing before the power of God. Nothing. These two smoking firebrands. <laughs> And the fierce anger of resin in Samaria. Verse 9 he went on to say. If you will not believe. Surely you will not be established. The spirit of faith. Comes from an established heart. An established heart. Is not moved. Like the trees in the wind. An established heart. Is not trying this out. It knows what it believes. It was settled in it long before. And because of that. It doesn't fear. When the evil report comes. It hears it. It looks at it. It goes okay. I understand. Thank you for your time. And you don't have to try to preach to everybody. Not everybody will understand it. But as soon as you get back out to your car. You say, you nothing dirty, defeated, disease. You are nothing before the power of God. You can do nothing before the yoke-destroying, burden-removing anointing of my God. You're nothing. You're nothing. Go with me to Second Chronicles 32. Bad reports will come. You will see things and hear things and feel things in life that if your heart is not established, it will move you, particularly in the areas you care most about. And that's the ones the enemy really tries to go for because he knows if it means a lot to you, he's more likely to get you shaken up if you think something bad's going to happen to it or that you're going to lose it. Second Chronicles 32 and 1, after these things and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah, encamped against the fenced cities, and thought to win them for himself. But in verse 6, uh, the people of God's leaders set captains of war over the people, and they gathered them together into the street of the gate, and they spoke comfortably to them. You'll find this word comfort, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. And anytime people are in fear, they don't just need to be fussed at. They need to be comforted. 
and helped and strengthened. Verse 7, be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. Boy, the army this man brought covered the ground. I mean, it was soldiers and chariots as far as you could see in every direction. You talk about looking like an impossible, unwinnable situation. And it's easy to sit in here tonight and go, oh, yeah, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. (laughs) What if you're standing out there on the front line with a sword in your hand and you're outnumbered 50 to 1? If you made it through 10 of these guys, there's still 40 waiting to kill you. Fresh. Oh, you like to say, oh, I won't be scared. Fear will try to come on you. But doesn't mean you have to fear. Even though it'll try to come on you, you never have to let it in you. He said, with him's an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Now notice what happened. Notice what happened. And the people did what? Rested themselves. On what? On the words. Said out loud, they rested themselves. Did they need to rest themselves? Yeah, because these bad reports were trying to blow them all over the place. Blow them into panic, blow them into fear. And we, your soul needs an anchor, doesn't it? In your patience, your steadfastness, you possess your soul, the scripture said. And you've got to have something to lean on. And what you lean on is faith-filled, anointed words. It says, the people did what? Rested. That word literally means to lean on, to prop up on the words of the king of Judah. I got a good word from the Lord for you right here. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the anointed word. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. For every terror, there is a truth that'll set you free from it. For every terror, there is a truth. There is an anointed word that you can breathe a sigh of relief and lean on it and fear no more. Do you believe it, saints? If you've walked with the Lord very long and you've had success and you've won victories, you know it. That there was somewhere you were challenged and the Lord gave you a word. He gave you a word. And in that word, you leaned on it and you quit fearing. There's something stronger than terror. There's something greater than fear. It's truth. I said it's truth. It's anointed word of God, truth. And for every terror that tries to attack you and wear you down, all you got to do is get that truth. That truth that God gives you to battle that terror with, and then you can lean yourself on it. Somebody say amen. Amen. Leaning on him. Leaning on him. Leaning on him. Go to Psalm 112. This same word 
where it says they leaned on these words. They rested themselves on those words. Is found here in Psalm 112. Psalm 112 talking about the righteous man, the godly man. Verse 7. He shall what? Not be afraid of evil. What's evil tidings? Bad report. Yeah, but they just told you you got a terminal disease. They just told you your child has an incurable disease. Now, even when I say that, did you feel that? People are going, ooh, don't say that. Now, see, you're in danger. If you can't even look at it without it bothering you so bad that you want to just forget about it and run away from it, your heart's not established. You're just hoping it never happens. And that won't protect you. Wishing. Mm -mm. He shall not. Is it possible to hear the worst news a person can hear? And sit there and go. I refuse to fear. I refuse. Come on, say it out loud. I refuse. I refuse to fear. For every terror that would put you in bondage, there's a truth that will make you free. Lord, what's my truth? A lot of times he'll bring it right to you before you even have a chance to ask for it. Especially if you've been walking with him and putting the word in you in the length of time. I mean before you even have a chance to look for it. Boom, there it is. And if you'll lay hold of that and believe that and cling to that, you're resisting the fear and you're replacing it. With faith in this truth, what will happen? You won't be afraid. Your heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. Read verse 8. His heart is? That's the same word where it says they leaned on the words of the king. His heart is established. And because of that, he shall not be afraid. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God. Confess this over yourself. Say, I will not be afraid. I I shall not be afraid. afraid Of evil tidings. tidings. Any bad report. report. It won't move me. me. My heart is fixed. My heart is established, resting on the word of the Lord, trusting my God. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. Treat symptoms of fear like symptoms of lack or symptoms of sickness. See, the enemy, even word and faith people, he's tricked people because... They hear a bad report, some symptoms slap them, this or that happens, and they go, oh, oh, uh, uh, i got to believe God, i got to believe God. And the devil says, too late, look at you, you're a basket case. And you're going, uh, well, I, I, what am I going to, oh, no, I'm full of fear. No. Just because you got bills, you don't go, oh, I'm broke, and I'll always be broke. Just because you got symptoms don't mean you say, oh, I'm sick, no, I'll always be sick. And just because you feel afraid. 
I don't care if your knees are bumping against each other and you got goosebumps up and down. And through trembling lips you say, I refuse to fear. And if you will do that, if you will do that, I'm telling you, the door for it to get in is closed. And those feelings will have to leave. Those things will have to subside because you are giving no place to them. Go to Isaiah in closing the 26th chapter. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is something we're familiar with. A lot of us know this verse, have been blessed by it before. But I want to call your attention. The same word in this verse that's in the previous two verses that we saw where you rest yourself on it. It says, Isaiah 26, 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is, that's the word, whose mind is leaning. Glory to God, resting, propping on thee because he trusts in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Listen to Young's literal translation on this. This is interesting. An imagination supported. Timothy, where we quoted, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Power. Love. What else? Sound mind. Your mind will be wavering and vacillating and tossed about and your heart if you're not settled on something, established on something. But you can have a sound mind, anchored. You can be standing with both feet on the everlasting rock inside your heart and in your mind. And when you do, he fortifies peace in you. I mean, an onslaught comes from the outside, fear, thoughts, bad reports, panic, But if you won't yield and start talking fear and unbelief, if you'll brace yourself and say, I will not fear. My heart is established. You can almost hear it. Clink, 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 clink. Fortification supernaturally rises up on the inside and clink, 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 clink. And there's still a hurricane going on out there. But it's nice inside here. Peace. Peace that passes understanding. Peace. Peace. Do you believe it, friends, in the middle of a storm? In the middle of an onslaught, in the middle of the worst news that you've ever heard, is it possible to say, none of these things move me? God is real. He's on the throne. He loves me. Nothing has changed. His word has not changed. This doesn't move me. I refuse to fear. I'm telling you fortification. Come up around you. And in his light, we see light. And in this atmosphere of peace, you can hear clearly and see now take this step and now do this. And not do this and say this. And he will lead you right out and right through. Next thing you know, you'll be given a testimony. Amen. Do you believe it, saints? Yes. 
But if you panic, if you fall apart, if you let the fear in. Didn't the Bible say guard your heart and protect it above all that you guard? Because out of it go the issues of life. See, the devil's trying to get in there. He's trying to get his nasty, defiling, corrupting fear inside your and my life producer. And if we let that in, it will mess everything up. It will confuse us and blind us. And people will be talking to us, trying to tell us the answer. We won't even hear it because all we can think about is that bad report we just heard. All we can think about is my body, my heart, my baby, my house, my finances. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. And your fears will come on you. Stand up and say, not me. Glory to God. Not me. Sit out loud. I shall not be afraid of bad news. Of evil tidings. I will not be afraid. My heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. My heart is established. I will not be afraid. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.